The Sussex Fretzel Massacre, Part 2. This is the section in which there is the attempted sexual assault, and also the fates of our five begin to unravel. There's quite a lot of gore. Um, content warnings for the whole novella were given at the first episode, so this is the second episode. If you haven't heard that one, please skip back and listen to the first one first. Five due to die. The only reaction after a display like that was to laugh. What a strange little man, Paul said with an awkward shake of his head. What sort of freelancer wears a vest? Let me guess, Primarni. Bunty snorted. Please, he's clearly a dealer. Freddy tasted the soup. He's got a good little cook, though. Do you think he's got anything here? Liv asked, blinking heavily. Do you think we could buy some? Whatever you want, baby. Dono sat back in his chair, unimpressed with the food. His sort will do anything for the right price. What sort of booze do you think they have in a place like this? Freddy gave a hearty guffaw. White lightning from the corner shop. Bathtub gin made with his own bath water, Paul suggested. Does he look like he washes? Bunty whispered, and Liv screamed with laughter and nearly fell off her chair. Paul got up and had a proper look around. They must have some decent plonks somewhere. He'll have some to impress the little woman, Freddy drawled, examining the bread. Unless he's sponging off her. Not to be awful, but she's a little on the drab side. Not exactly trophy girlfriend material, so she must have something else going for her. I mean, it can't be lust, can it? Bunty gasped and kicked him, but she was trying not to laugh. That is an awful thing to say. You're so shallow, Freddy. Maybe she has a lovely personality. He chortled. Do you really think he cares about her lovely personality? He's clearly wheeled and dealed his way up from the shirking class and now he's living at large at someone else's expense. Too harsh? He shot a challenging stare around the table, but nobody contradicted him. No, well, could just be her cooking, I suppose. Dono sniggered. Liv turned her roll over and sniffed it. Dear God, what is this? Super price finest, Paul suggested, his head in a cupboard. Well, here's something. It might even be drinkable. He pulled out two bottles of wine. Anyone for red? Bunty clapped her hands. Oh, me, me. I will take one for the team. Where are the glasses? Freddy looked around. Henders, you're already up. Find the glasses, would you? Paul put the bottles on the table with bad grace. Some of this is good stuff, he said, after a cursory glance at the cupboards revealed a set of crystal wine glasses. My grandmother had some of these. Maybe he has some taste after all. Dono took a glass and held it out to be filled. Go on, Henders. Why don't you be mother? You're doing such a good job. Paul poured the wine, jaw tightening. What are we going to do while we wait? We don't know how long we'll be. Bunty slid the side of her shoe up Jono's leg under the table while Liv was oblivious. He ignored this and arched an eyebrow. Is that a cork or a screw-top, Henders? Oh, sorry, I asked. Our host doesn't feel like a cork man. Betty likes a good screw, though, Bunty murmured, and Liv crowed with laughter, slumping onto the table beside her stew. Do you think that's where he's taken the driver? Jono asked, syrupy. Freddy cackled. As long as he's not so sore that he can't park his arse back in the driving seat, who gives a flying fuck? Anyway, two can play at that game. Right, Bunce? Bunty poked Liv. Ring. Hmm? Liv struggled to sit up. Pardon? Ring. Take off your ring and I'll take off mine. Why? Because we're all bored to tears and we're owed a little hospitality after whatever that little tantrum was and we should play a little game. Bunty shrugged her slim shoulders and fluttered her lashes at Freddy and Dono. Serves them right. Why shouldn't we have a bit of fun? Anyway, it'll make it more exciting. Oh! Liv tugged off her diamond ring and handed it to Bunty, who took off one of her earrings and gestured at the mugs on the kitchen counter. Bring me three of those. Get them yourself, Paul said, sitting down. Bunty rolled her eyes. 
Freddy, pass me three of those cheap mugs. Freddy gave Paul a pointed look, then, when this got him nowhere, he scraped his chair back reluctantly and selected three at random. Bunty turned them upside down and put her earring under one and Liv's ring under the other. No peeking, boys? As the men averted their eyes, Bunty arranged the mugs on the table. Go on, Henders, you go first. Freddy and Dono drummed on the table as Paul took his time about choosing. When he tapped one, Bunty lifted it with a grin to reveal nothing. Freddy and Dono roared with laughter. "'Drink up!' Freddy shouted. Paul downed his glass of wine and poured himself another. Dono immediately shot a penny into it with a deft throw and Paul groaned. "'Bastard!' "'Don't let the Queen drown!' Dono drummed the table again until Paul downed that glass as well. "'I'm out,' Paul said, shaking his head. "'Oh, sweetie, don't be sad!' Bunty tossed her hair back. "'It was bad luck. Now, how about you two studs? Take your pick.' She leaned back, pushing Liv by the shoulder into a more upright position. Freddy tapped a mug and got Liv's ring. Dono's face darkened, and it was Paul's turn to laugh. Ooh, bad luck! Cucked by Freddy, old man, imagine! Well, that means... Dono lifted the remaining mug to reveal Bunty's earring. We get the kitchen. Now hang on, Freddy said, glancing at his girlfriend. Bunty just blew him a kiss. You go in there and shut the door, Dono pointed at the utility room. Henders, take a walk, would you? Come back in ten minutes. Why don't you go and find... what was her name? Bunty frowned, suppressing a giggle. Was it Cora? No, Carrie. Carrie. Carrie the cook. She could do with a bit of class. Freddy winked at him. But I bet you she won't go for it. Dono snorted. Twenty says Henders will show her what she's missing. Oh, boys, that's horrible. Bunty gave him a disgusted look. So rude. He won't take the bet, Freddy said, looking Paul up and down. Done, Paul said. Ten minutes. Bunty clapped and Paul headed out of the kitchen. Freddy gave Bunty and Dono a lingering look of mixed feelings and left the table to drag Liv off to the utility room by her elbow. Dono didn't seem too pleased to see them go, but it wasn't as if he and Bunty hadn't been screwing behind Freddy and Liv's backs for months. Bunty made space for them on the nearest clean countertop and hopped up, hiking up her dress. I hope they have a very thorough cleaner, she said. I hope their cleaner comes on Sundays, Dono rejoined, unzipping his fly. And then there were four. You don't have to cater for them just because they remind you of the glory days, Ricky told her, examining the point of the brass poker. Carrie sighed. He'd taken the armchair by the fire, stew finished and bowl carelessly discarded on the floor, and he poured himself a brandy despite Carrie's warning look. He reached for the glass and caught her eye. Come on, we agreed on once a year and there'll be none left at this rate. I haven't had a drink in months and I watched that film with you like you wanted. Oh, I see, so this is what Ricky wants to do, Carrie smirked. Just don't... just remember one of those goes a lot further these days, that's all I'm saying. Ricky would like to get everything done and dusted, nice and quick, no fuss, no drama, and get on with his bloody evening, Ricky said, taking a slow sip and savouring it. It's not hard. I don't understand why... Not now, Carrie shot a look at Ollie. Ricky frowned, looking from one to the other. Oh, right. I haven't offered you a drink, is that it? He looked to Carrie for confirmation that this was what she meant, and she sighed. Ricky took this as affirmative. Do you want one? he asked Ollie. Carrie wasn't surprised that Ollie refused, even though the car wasn't going anywhere. He was subdued, still picking at the stew. She recognised the tension in his shoulders, the hunched position, squashed upon the end of the sofa, although he wasn't a big man, and there was plenty of room for her too. 
How about some tea? she asked. Ollie shook his head. I couldn't impose. It's not. It's just a cup of tea. Ollie tried to smile and shook his head again. No, it's fine. Thanks. Carrie frowned and tried again. It's his tea. It's a bit special. Ollie lifted his head a fraction. I shouldn't really. I'm all right. It's for anxiety, you know. Work for me. She didn't elaborate that it made her much calmer about a couple of brutal murders, as if all that was perfectly normal. Ricky was watching the amber liquid swirl in his glass, but he looked up. Are you offering him my tea? Carrie shrugged. He stared at her. First the brandy, now my bleeding tea. Can't a man have anything of his own in this bloody house? It's your bloody house, Carrie murmured. What more do you want? Ricky couldn't fight the grin. He smirked and set the glass down. You got me coming and going, haven't you? Yeah, all right, I'll get him some bloody tea. Not too much, it'll knock you right out. I made this batch stronger. Meant to be for me, see? Ollie shrank back in his seat. No, really, please don't put yourself out. Honestly, I'm fine. Sorry. Really, I'm fine. I'm okay. Really? Ricky repeated, crossing the room to a panel on the wall, feeling gently around it with his fingertips. It clicked open and revealed the cavity where a number of things were stored out of sight. Tell you what, this'll dissolve in just about anything. Probably shouldn't mix it with alcohol, but... He sucked air through his teeth. Love, get us a glass of whatever the lad wants. Ollie looked at Carrie, terrified. No, he's... he really doesn't want any. Carrie twisted around and kneeled upon the sofa, facing Ricky. Put it back, love, he's scared to death. It's not that, Ollie said quickly. I appreciate it, I just... I can't, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be on the job, but... You driving? Ricky asked. He gestured at the room. This a car, is it? Ollie shook his head. You get paid by the hour or for the trip? Ollie cleared his throat. Technically, I should have done it by now, and I'm not sure if... Oh, so you're off the clock, then. You rung your boss? Ollie nodded, swallowing. Carrie kept her voice soft, since Ricky's gruff approach wasn't always the best one. What did your boss say? Oh, um, well, just that I have to wait with a car. But they're sending another one, and another driver, but he won't, um... He won't be here until tomorrow, and I don't know what to do about... Ollie gestured miserably in the direction of the kitchen. Do nothing. You're a driver, not a party planner. Ricky closed up the panel and shook the Ziploc bag. And you're not driving, so fuck em. Want some fucking tea? Ollie let out a nervous laugh. I'd love some, yeah. Like I said, you shouldn't mix it, but fuck it, hey. Want me to do you a quick reading while we're at it? On the house? He grinned at Carrie, sharp teeth bared. He gets a bit reckless when he's on the brandy, Carrie muttered to Ollie, arching an eyebrow. I've had one. I've not even finished the glass. Ricky shook his head. Is your missus like this? The young driver shook his head. Oh, I... I don't, um... I don't really have... I don't do relationships, um... Like that, you know. He was blushing. I just... I like casual things, but... He looked at Carrie. I like the look of this. What you guys have, if I've read it right, it just feels really nice. That makes sense to me. There was a short pause. She's my home, Ricky said unexpectedly. Carrie glowed. Yeah, that that's a really nice way to put it, Ollie said, relaxing. What do you mean, do me a reading? Runes, bones, take your pick. Ricky patted his pocket. I don't do cards. I very rarely do palms. Not my thing. Oh, Ollie sat up. Do you do, like, divination sort of thing? My gran reads, um... 
reads tea leaves. Carrie hid her smile and looked at Ricky. He's really very good. In there, in the kitchen, you said you didn't eat with the dead? Ollie moistened his lips. Is... have you seen something? Ricky... Carrie hated the sense of foreboding, pooling where her stomach had once been, but after two-plus years of living with Ricky Porter, it stole over her like a familiar blanket on a winter's day. He gave her an innocent stare. What? You promised. I promised I wouldn't go out tonight, and I kept my promise. Can't help it if the little lambs come to me. Hmm, it's your natural magnetism, I suppose. She's a right handful, this one, Ricky said to Ollie. Do you see what I have to put up with? There's no respect, is there? Don't mind him, Carrie retorted. He thinks he's a god, Ollie sniggered. Don't they all? Ooh, Carrie lightly punched his arm. Nice. Ricky was scowling. What's he taking your side for? Do you want this tea or not? You can forget the bone reading, that's right out. Well, come on, measure it out, sit down, drink your brandy. Carrie hopped up and hugged him. Ricky rolled his eyes and didn't move, so she gave him a peck on the cheek and let him go. Come on, I love you really. He wasn't comfortable when she used the L word, but it slipped out. It was such a normal thing to say, and Ollie seemed so normal, and Carrie froze, wondering if Ricky would mind. He grunted, softening much to her relief. I'll just... I say... The living room door opened and Paul came in, casting a nervous glance at Ricky and ignoring Ollie completely. He addressed Carrie with earnest politeness. It's coming on to rain, and we opened a few bottles of wine. Hope you don't mind. The girls are wondering where we all sleep tonight, that's all. Wondered if you had a few rooms. We don't mind sharing. Carrie was about to tell him to book a taxi, but Ricky swaggered forwards with a wide, nasty grin. Peter, is it? Your bags are in the hall. Don't have a butler tonight, so you can go and pick them up and take them up the stairs, and it's the second door on your left on the first floor. Paul was still looking at Carrie, but was forced to adjust his wobbly smile and focus on Ricky instead. It's a... it's Paul... Paul Henderson. Is it? Ricky let the silence ride for a moment, then raised his eyebrows. You know where the hall is, don't you? Don't need directions for that? Right, Paul nodded, visibly shaken. We won't be any trouble. Thank you for being so hospitable. This was to Carrie, and she could tell by the way Ricky stiffened that he wasn't appreciating it. I'll show you, she found herself saying, something about Paul triggering that well-worn appeasement groove she'd fallen into when alive, everything else about him tugging her into a reminder that once all her masters and their guests had been cut from similar cloth. Ricky rolled his shoulders back and set his jaw, but he didn't say anything or stop her. Paul beat a hasty retreat. Carrie glanced at Ricky. He didn't stop her or complain, so she left him to make Ollie his tea in peace. "'It's this way,' she said, catching up with Paul by the grand staircase. "'Oh, thanks, that's awfully kind of you.' He had a nice smile and a gentle voice, and Carrie hoped he was one of the nicer ones. This hope was nearly dashed as she led the way upstairs, keeping a few paces ahead. He kept his eyes on, on her back, sliding over her arse and up and down her legs. She could feel him looking, not quite in the same way that Ricky's Casanova cousin scored grooves into her with his lusty curiosity, but just as uncomfortable.' "'I am sorry about the chaps. I hope it wasn't too presumptuous of us to stay,' Paul said behind her, sounding sincere. "'We really wouldn't dream of imposing. If it's too much trouble, please do say, and we'll clear off. Do you know some reputable hotels around here? I'm afraid I'm not quite sure where we are.' "'East Sussex. Pagamon Sea. Not Pagham West Sussex, which is possibly where the confusion occurred, although that's about an hour past Brighton, so you'd still be lost if you'd ended up there.' 
Are you sure? Freddy thought it was a short drive from there. Depends what you mean by short. Carrie reached the landing and showed Paul to the largest spare bedroom. Please don't sit on that chair, it's a Queen Anne. Sure, sure, Paul said and tossed his jacket onto it. My grandparents had a set. Carrie cringed. It's the wrong time of year for hotels and lots are shut anyway. I don't think the Willows is taking new guests because of the, um, the pandemic, so... And I mean you're here now. We might not be what you expected, but we have manners. That was the prim tone of the entrance hall itself, recalling days of butlers and grand parties and unexpected guests blown in by storms and lamed horses. The guest bedroom itself concurred. After all, we have the space. It isn't often we get to use it. Paul nodded, turning to her after a cursory glance around. That's very generous of you. There was something about the way he said it that sounded like he expected this generosity to continue. Carrie found she couldn't move. That was a human thing. She froze up, trying not to melt through the floor in front of him. You're welcome. He was too close. She willed her limbs into action and backed off. Paul caught the door before she could retreat through it and blocked her with his arm. Uh, Carrie, before you go, he said, I have to say you're a really lovely girl and it's awfully good of you to put us up. She could smell her wine on his breath, mingling with her cooking and a breath mint, and it rankled in her soul. Don't mention it. She tried to push by, but he jammed her against the edge of the door and the catch bit into her hip. It would have hurt if she was still flesh and bone. You're absolutely wasted on that common little whatever he thinks he is downstairs. Paul leaned in, towering over her, strutting around the place like he owns it. That can't be right. He smiled, and there was something under that niceness, something hard and persistent. Carrie realised she was shrinking when she could manipulate her size in any way she liked. She was dead. She was stone and brick. She wasn't even a woman. Why was this? If you like a bit of rough, Paul whispered, I can play at that and he'll never have to know. I like a bit of a thrill myself. He grabbed her hips, sliding one hand over her thigh. Carrie forgot she was a seven-bedroom manor house in the shape of a dead woman. She lashed out and shoved him hard in the chest with all her strength, and her hand went right through. His face bore a look of total surprise as his heart, ripped out of its moorings with a squelch and the crack of vertebrae, hit the floor behind him like a squashed oversized strawberry with the remains of his breastbone and some bits of rib. Carrie stared slack-jawed at the widening eyes as they bored into hers with a pleading horror and then glazed over as the life left them. He slumped, held up by her extended arm reaching through the hole in his torso. When she pulled her arm back, shaking, he slid off her and hit the floor. Carrie couldn't call for Ricky. She couldn't make a sound. She couldn't think. It was an accident. A complete accident. She'd only meant to push him. Carrie backed out of the room and locked the door behind her, using her finger as the key. She was shaking so much she could barely manage it, which was ridiculous. She didn't have muscles, didn't even have glands. This was all phantom feeling, the way she'd behave if she was alive in a real body, not one she'd patched together for herself. She tried to keep it together enough not to just release her consciousness back into the house and hide in plain sight, her guests rattling around inside her like so many dried peas, irritants with their chatter, but she would be safe. No one could arrest a house. They could arrest the driver, though, or somebody else. That wasn't fair. Ricky? Carrie burst into the living room where he was finishing his brandy and Ollie was on the sofa with a half-empty glass and a glazed expression. Hmm? Ricky sniffed the air and licked his lips. Bloody hell. Ricky, I need you. Carrie tried to keep her voice level. I need you to, um, 
I need you to come upstairs. Better put him somewhere first. Ricky nodded at Ollie. Made it too strong. My mistake. He swirled the remains of his brandy, thought twice about draining the glass, and set it down. What have you done, old girl? Carrie shook her head, vibrating. I just... He was... He would have... And I... I, I just pushed him. I just pushed him. Did he try and hurt you? Ollie sat up, making her jump. She didn't know what to say. Ollie tried to focus. Is he... Is that... Blood? Carrie looked down at herself. She swallowed. Blood caked her right arm, and there were tiny bits of bone embedded in her hand. She let Ricky take it and inspect it, teasing out the shards and flicking them into the fireplace. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to. Ricky grunted and clicked his tongue. Hey, it's all right. I'm here. Her eyes started leaking hot water tank tears, leaving small streaks of rust behind. Now, now, none of that. He dropped her hand gently and cupped her face, wiping the tears with his thumbs and smoothing their passage along her cheeks. It's all right, mistress. Let the master deal with it, yeah? Don't you worry about a thing. She swallowed. What are you going to do? They'll notice. Is he dead? Ollie was pale, his voice dreamlike. Is there anywhere we can hide him? Carrie stared at him. Hide? Why would you want to? Aren't you going to tell someone? Please don't tell anyone. Ricky, don't let him tell anyone. Ricky, please, please help. I don't want to. I don't know what to do. It's not like you haven't done this before, Ricky reminded her. I need you to calm down, love, all right? And clean up and leave it to me. Ollie was casting around in a worried daze for something, and Carrie grabbed Ricky's arms trying to calm herself down, not sure what it was she was asking him to do. Their guest stumbled over to her with a throw and wrapped it around her shoulders. Just in case someone comes in, he said, you know, before she can clean up. Ricky gave Ollie a thoughtful stare. For what it's worth, he said slowly, I don't think this is how you die. Not tonight, anyway. Ollie nodded sagely as if this unsettling pronouncement made total sense. Thanks. You're welcome. Carrie forced herself to concentrate. Are you a bit pissed? she demanded, putting a few of Ricky's tells together. Mate, I told you, that brandy goes straight to your head. I need you to focus for me, please. I need you on top of this. I fucked up, Ricky. I fucked up so badly. Hardly pissed. I haven't had... Look, there's only four of them. Ricky rolled his eyes. One's already away with the fairies, and the others won't be a match for me anyway. Dono's got a gun, Ollie whispered, blinking heavily. That's what I was gonna, going to tell you earlier. Sorry. He's going to shoot to a shooting club place thing. He's got rifles with him, and uh, he mimed pulling something out of an inside jacket pocket and made a gun shape with his fingers. You know. Ricky scowled. Farmer got me with a shotgun once. Carrie huddled in her throw, now worried about getting blood on it. Yeah? Yeah, he kissed her on the forehead. Beat him to death with it. She didn't mean to laugh. It just bubbled up. You twat! There were probably better things to call a man who'd just confessed to first-degree murder, but he'd done so many of those, and that wasn't even the worst one, and Carrie couldn't think properly. There was something wrong. She felt polluted, defiled, and she couldn't work out why. It was more than what she'd done to Paul Henderson, more than what he'd tried to do to her. Ollie laughed too in a little blissful world of his own, and Carrie realised he'd need to be put out of harm's way. Um, Ollie, we'll find a room for you. She didn't let Ricky go. Should I do that? Should I go and do that? And clean yourself up. Yeah, that's 
probably the best idea. Ricky gently prized her off his arms and got her to hold the throw around her. Off you go. Carrie nodded, trying to channel the personalities of her other rooms rather than the human one at the fore, who was not serving her well in these circumstances. She'd worry about the implications later. The cellar pushed forwards, and she gasped. Ricky, someone else. There's a dead... there's another dead body. Ricky grinned. I told you, he said softly. Five will die. Let me just get the other three, or it'll keep getting messier. Don't you care how? There's a dead... There's two! There's... Carrie tried to get it together. I don't want you to kill anyone. This isn't a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't... I don't want you to touch anybody. Maybe it was an accident. No one else has to die. No, but they will. Ricky shrugged and took another sip of his brandy. Fine, have it your way. You want me in clean-up, do you? Carrie nodded, trembling. He relented. As you wish, mistress. The grin was nasty, dirty and knowing all at once. It cut through her with a shiver. But mark my words, they'll die all right. He stepped away from her, settling back in his chair by the fire, still wearing that grin. Come on, Carrie said shakily to Ollie, tearing her eyes away from Ricky's face. This way. And then there were three. Freddy pulled Liv into the utility room and shut the door. Liv stumbled on her dress and caught herself on the washing machine. You know Bunty cheated to get Donu, not you, Liv said straightening, like I hadn't noticed. So which one of you screwing henders? Freddy asked, knowing full well neither of them were. Liv squealed with laughter at the idea. Oh, don't be horrible. Poor Paul. She looked around. I'm not doing it in here. Is this her washing? Oh, that's sweet. She wears cardigans. She picked over the folded clothes on top of the machine and rolled her eyes, letting something cheap and pink fall to the floor. What's that? Freddy followed her gaze to the trap door. Oh, well spotted. A wine cellar, let's hope. Or where he keeps a stash. Shall we have a look? Liv was tempted, he could see, but she shook her head. What if he catches us? Do you think he's dangerous? He might be. This place costs some serious money, and that could mean he's in with some serious people. You don't think he might be one of the serious people? Liv tottered forwards and inspected the ring embedded in the hatch. I wonder what's down there. He's not the brains. He's a middleman, Freddy asserted with confidence. I told you, I know his type. Curiosity spurred him to tug the ring and reveal a set of steps going down into the dark. Stay here, I just want to take a peek. Liv shook her head, blonde curls bouncing. Can't it wait? She reached for his arm, but he shook her off. Just a minute. Liv pouted. If my best friend is screwing my boyfriend, shouldn't I be screwing hers? For God's sake, Liv. He could hear Bunty and Dono in the kitchen, not bothering to keep quiet. He set his jaw. Liv tucked his arm, stepping closer. It's just a game. Take a look later. Freddy didn't mean to push her, but Bunty's unnecessarily loud groan set his teeth on edge. Liv wasn't too steady anyway, and her ankle twisted, high heel betraying her. She tumbled into the cellar through the open trap door, smacked her head on the rail and then the steps, and rolled down into the darkness. Freddy stood still, cold with shock. Liv? There was nothing but the sound of Bunty and Dono. Freddy made his way down the steps, heart pounding. He felt around for the light, and his hand collided with the switch by lucky chance. The cellar flooded with a dim glow, and he saw Liv lying still and silent in a spreading pool of slick blood. Freddy raked both hands through his hair, stepping over her legs, splayed out unnaturally. He didn't want to turn her over, didn't want to touch her, like handling a big spider that had just been flattened. He tried not to get any of it on his hands or on his shoes. 
He rolled her over, skin crawling. She'd hit her head badly. She wasn't breathing and her eyes were closed. Live? Live? Oh, oh, Jesus. Freddy nearly bolted back up the steps. He jumped over her and started upwards, but stopped himself. If it got out that he was with her when she fell, it would be in the papers. It was an accident, but he couldn't prove it. Freddy needed a better plan. More than any of that, though, he needed it to be someone else's fault. Freddy never wanted a repeat of his narrow escape, a drunken drive down a dark street that ended in tragedy and someone else going to jail. That was unfortunate, but there was money waiting for them when they got out, and Freddy didn't trouble himself with the details. His father's lawyers and friends had taken care of all of that, and he didn't want to be stuck in another situation like that ever again. His father had made it very clear what would happen if he was, and Freddy was not going to risk that. His panic drove him to look around at the trestle table and metal shelves. There were jars of something on the shelves, but he didn't look too closely at these. He was focused on the tools. A small saw was laid out with a leather pouch of needles and other things he didn't recognise, as well as an array of knives. Freddy? He spun around. Liv was alive and trying to get up. Liv! Oh, my God! You pushed me! Liv slurred, clutching her head. Ow! My leg! I think I've broken it. I didn't push you. You fell! Freddy found himself clutching the handle of the fret saw, his other hand brushing the silver inlay of a knife handle. Using his own was a bad idea. Liv flailed her arm to find something to help her sit up, but her leg was still at a natural angle and she gasped and whimpered and flopped back. "'You pushed me,' she said. Freddy panicked, closing the gap between them and standing over her, the tools in his hands. "'I didn't push you. Their ten minutes must surely be nearly up, and the stupid coward blabbed at Bunty and Dono, and Dono would go ballistic. Dono couldn't stand other people breaking his toys, even when he'd thrown them out of the pram himself.' Then there was his own old man to worry about. Freddy took matters into his own hands and plunged the knife into her chest. The knife wasn't as sharp as he'd hoped. It scraped her breastbone and lodged there. Liv's eyes went wide like a scared dog. Freddy pulled the knife out and tried lower, harder, faster, left, right, centre, and Liv had no chance against the frenzy. She flailed weakly at him, but he had her pinned. "'It's not my fault!' he spat at her as her eyes bugged and she tried to speak, say something accusing, ruin his life. He slashed across her stupid, lying little throat with a fret saw, and the teeth made shallow cuts in her delicate, lily-pale skin. He put all his weight on the fret saw as she gurgled and choked until her larynx crunched and he broke through the juggler. Blood sprayed up in a gush, coating him. "'I didn't push you!' he snarled through gritted teeth. He dropped the knife and the saw. "'That maniac! He pushed you! He did this!' He untucked his shirt and tried to wipe down the tools, but he could explain stray prints with the old I panicked and picked it up defence. That fucking drug dealer did this. He took a shaky breath. That's what they do. Freddy stood up and smoothed back his hair, Liv's blood sticky and gluing it into shape. I tried to save her, he said to the cellar. There was a fight, but I couldn't. He cut her throat and I was too late. He squared his shoulders. Then he went for me. Self-defence. He nodded. Self-defence. Tried to call the police, but out in the sticks in an old house. The signal was bad. Hoping and praying to get one. But that's why it took so long, and we had to protect ourselves from that chavvy lunatic and his psycho girlfriend. He nodded, and then checked himself. We had a fight. Shit. He picked up the knife again and pressed it to his own skin, but he couldn't do it. It was covered in Liv's blood. He nearly gagged. No, it had to be the same one. Maybe just a couple of cuts. Shallow ones. He dropped it. Maybe the bastard would actually cut him when he put phase two into action, the self-defence part. 
then he'd have the wounds to back it up, and right now he was so covered in blood he could say some of it was his and the others wouldn't know any better. He tore his shirt and bound it around his left arm, where he imagined some defensive wounds would look feasible. Then he charged up the steps to announce to Paul, Dono and Bunty that their host had brutally murdered poor sweet Olivia. Three due to die. Dono clapped a hand over Bunty's mouth as she screamed and came. Freddy loomed in the doorway of the back passage, covered in blood and shaking, his shirt ripped and bound around his arm. Jesus! Dono reached inside his jacket for his pistol. Where's Liv? He did it, Freddy said, shaking his head. That fucking chav. Did what? Dono took a step forward, but he knew what Freddy meant. Did you get him? Freddy shook his head and stumbled into the room. No, he, he ran off. I fought him off, but he did it. He killed Liv. Bunty hopped off the counter and found her clutch bag. Oh my God, we have to call the police. Do we? Dono asked, advancing on Freddy. Where did he go? Freddy faltered. You believe me, don't you? I fought him off. I didn't see where he went. And when we find him, he'll be covered in blood like you are, Dono demanded. Freddy scoffed, nervous laughter filling the kitchen. I didn't do anything. She fell and then he, he attacked her. Dono took the safety off. She fell or she was attacked? Both, Freddy backed off. Dono, mate, come on. How stupid do you think I am? Now look, Freddy said, holding up his hand. Bunty had frozen, phone in hand, not calling anyone. Is Liv okay? Obviously not, Dono snapped over his shoulder. He leered at Freddy. Oh, Freddy boy, what did you do? If the police come and there's an autopsy, an inquest, they'll find the drugs in her system and they'll find out you gave them to her, Freddy hissed. I can't let my family down again. They'll ask questions. How are they going to find out? Dono narrowed his eyes. What are you going to do? Are you going to tell them? Hey, leave him alone. Bunty tossed her phone on the table and ducked under Dono's arm to stand between him and Freddy. Stop it. Have you fucked up? Dono asked Freddy around Bunty's head. Have you fucked up again, you stupid bastard? Go and look, Freddy said, pointing wildly behind him. Could I have done that? Go and look, Dono. Dono gave him a suspicious glare but headed down the steps of the cellar to see what had happened to his girlfriend. Bunty hung back, not sure what to do next. There was a gasp and a grunt and the sound of throwing up. Bunty went to see for herself but Freddy caught her arm and pulled her back. Don't, he warned, looking grey. When Dono emerged, there was blood on the front of his shirt too. You didn't touch her, did you? Bunty stared at him. What's the matter with you? Isn't that something the police ought to do? I'm not having him be the last person to touch her, Dono sneered, and it was unclear if he meant Freddy or the madman who'd murdered Liv. There was a smear of blood on his cheek. Neither Freddy nor Bunty mentioned it. Dono sniffed sharply, lick of hair falling over his forehead. I'm going to kill him. We need to call the police, Bunty repeated. Dono nodded. We will, once he's dead. Where is he? Where's Paul? Bunty asked. Freddy and Dono exchanged glances. Dono curled his lip, patting his jacket and reassuring himself the pistol was still there. He should be back by now, unless we owe him a tenner. Henders can look after himself, Bunny scoffed. Don't leave me. We won't split up, Freddy said. We should try and get back to the car. Let's get out of here and call the police when we're far away. Far away on what? Fumes? There's no petrol in the bloody thing. For all we know, the driver's dead too. Dono took his pistol out of his jacket. We need the shotgun in my bag. Dear God, Dono, Freddy murmured, but Bunty was nodding. The driver brought us here, Bunty said, clinging to Freddy's sleeve. You don't think it was on purpose, do you? 
He wouldn't turn around, Freddy murmured, appearing to think about this. He took the wrong turn and wouldn't turn. Maybe, maybe he did. What do they want? Bunty whispered, wide-eyed with terror. Money, Dono said. Freddy nodded vigorously. Yes, yes, obviously. You saw how they dress. They don't have a bean. It's a conspiracy and we're stuck in the middle of nowhere with this psycho who'll probably kill us all for fun or who wants to rob us or ransom us. You must have seen where he went, Dono said, still watching Freddy suspiciously. He ran. He ran back up the stairs. If he didn't go through the kitchen where you were, he must have gone up the back stairs or down the corridor, Freddy said, licking his lips nervously. That's how he... That's how you didn't see him. Maybe he caught Paul with his girlfriend and wanted to punish us, Bunty whispered. It was only a stupid game. How could anyone do that to live? He's... He must be a fucking psycho. Let's try upstairs, Dono suggested. Wait, the bags, Freddy gestured at the end of the corridor. Aren't they around there somewhere? Shouldn't we get the shotgun? Do you mean this shotgun? The three of them turned to see their host in his vest and sweatpants, holding up Dono's weapon and smiling. Before anyone could move, dark coils spilled out of the back of his head, writhing air roots shot through with veins of gold, snapping mouths along their thick lengths. The coils wrapped around the shotgun and twisted it out of shape as the man leered at them, eyes glowing red. Bunty and Freddy screamed in unison, and Bunty bounded up the back stairs as fast as her stilettos let her, Freddy close behind. Dono balked. He kept his head enough to cock the pistol and aim, even though his hand was shaking. His host grinned wider. Right between the eyes, go on. Dono shot him.